This is my boy. This is Elijah. He turns 11 tomorrow. You wish him a happy birthday? Happy birthday, buddy. All right, you go on. He's a good kid. Uh, he goes to middle school this fall, so pray for him and for us. So that's the thing about uh, turning 11, going to go to middle school. So happy birthday to him. It is so nice to be back with you guys. I missed y'all last week. Don't miss me. I know Billy did a fantastic job. I'm, I'm so thankful for him. Does a great job. And, and, you know, Duncan spoke a few weeks before that. And, and I'm glad to get some of these other guys up here here speaking, but I'm so happy to be back with you today. Did miss you. It's felt like a, a long time since I've been up here and been able to share the Word of God with you. Thank you for your prayers for my wife, Katie. The surgery went really well. It was a very extensive surgery, but it went very, very well, and she is recovering as expected. It's going to be a long recovery. It's like a four- to six-week recovery time, so keep her in your prayers. I'd ask you to specifically pray that she can rest well. That's been kind of the problem. Last couple nights, she slept well. Thank you for your prayers. Kind of hard to sleep after they've done so much to you. Well, on this beautiful sunny day where it's so hot and I'm probably going to get sunburned out here, I'm thankful for the knowledge that we are hoping sometime next month to be back indoors for our morning services. That'll be exciting to be inside in the air conditioning. When I had to step back inside there to get something to drink, I'm like, man, this AC feels good. I can't wait till I'm back in there. That'll be nice. Our plan is, Lord willing, to still have the evening service, the 6 p.m. service outdoors. So if there's folks who need to stay outdoors, who have some health considerations or something that can't come inside, we'll still offer that. Also, we'll have the radio broadcast, uh, the radio transmitter going in our services. So if there's a day you're sick or something or you just can't come in, if you can come and worship with us in the parking lot, you'll still be able to get it through your radio, okay? So there's all kinds of options. There won't be any excuse for that. Um, Another fun thing coming up is Church League softball. That will be a lot of fun. I need to play some softball, y'all, badly. I I feel like I haven't got to do much in a long time. Um, So if you are over the age of 15... 15 or older, and you probably won't die on the way to first base. Those are the only two requirements. Now, if you die on the way to first base, make sure you prayed up and ready to meet Jesus before then. And, you know, it wouldn't be then. It would be pretty traumatic for us, you know, but you'll be with the Lord. That'd be okay. I'm just messing with you. Forgive me. Sorry. Sorry, Lord. Um, But anyway... If you want to play, I need to know because we kind of need to know if we have enough to play, and I'm going to need some help. Um, historically, I've helped uh, coach the team. I may not be able to do that this year with, with Katie's recovery ongoing. Let me know. I need to know, like, right away if you want to play church league softball, okay? It is, uh, you know, male, female, as long as you're over 15 or older, okay? And, and you don't even have to be good. Now, if you're good, please do play, Okay. Um, but you don't have to be. We still want you. All right, so let me know about that. Moving inside, I've said before, one of the um, biggest things we've got to get ready is kids' ministry, all right, the children's ministry. So we need to hear from some volunteers on the kids' ministry. We're going to need some folks who can work hands-on. Uh, Grace, who you just saw singing with me up here, she's going to be organizing getting our kids' ministry back relaunched and restarted. I know Katie took on a lot of that 
but uh, her health is just not going to be up to it. So Grace is going to be your contact person on that. So exciting to be here, right? I'm glad to talk to you again, get to start a new series today. That's always a lot of fun. Um, the series is that I've, <laughs> the series that I've, seems like I've been exposed to the most lately is, uh, you know, we've been cooped up for the last two weeks, me and my wife, you know, me and my wife there as she's recovering and we've been watching like the cook food network, right? Chopped. Did y'all know that show chopped? I love that show, man, because that makes me think of like the early part of when I lived on my own. You open the refrigerator and say, what weird stuff do I have that I can turn into something edible? Mama, I missed your cooking back then. That's probably why I was still showing up. Actually, I still show up at Mama's house, and uh, she will usually feed me, uh, will always feed me. It's just, you know, she sent me with a bunch of stuff yesterday. Thanks, Mom. You're the best. But um, it's something, (laughs) I don't normally watch much TV, but we've been kind of cooped up lately. I've kind of noticed that there are some TV shows that start out pretty good, but then somewhere around season five, it starts to get a little weird, you know? It's like the writers run out of ideas, and suddenly this person has an evil twin that no one knew about, or there's aliens now, or, or something weird is happening, and, or they, they kill off a character only to bring them back because it wasn't really them. It was, you know, it was all a dream sequence or something. Somewhere along the line, it gets a little weird, right? Does it ever feel like life is like that? Like, you, you look back at the earlier seasons of planet earth you're like oh those kind of made sense but we must be around like the season where the writers are running out of ideas and everything's getting weird did it seem like that last year especially in 2020 like every weird thing that could happen is happening and and in 2021's not been that different a lot of folks have had to deal with a lot of stuff that you know don't want to deal with tough things i don't know what season we are on life on planet earth but it, it feels like we're at that spot so it, it feels like, uh, you know, you ever find yourself saying the phrase, what's this world coming to? What's this world coming to? Now, that, that's supposed to be a phrase referred, you know, used by, you know, typically someone who's got, you know, older, got more experience and looking around and say, what's this young generation coming to? But the young generation is saying, what's this world coming to? We're at that point in human history where, where everybody's looking around and saying, man, why is it like this? It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, you know, your background or your beliefs, your thoughts. Most everyone can look around to the world and say, man, why are things like this? Find things that are like discouraging. And we say, well, where's this thing headed? What's this world coming to? What's going on around here? Now, when you look at the world, does it look like it's headed towards some kind of utopia where everybody holds hands and sings songs? And makes crafts out of popsicle sticks. That's not the impression that I get. It, it looks like, man, if it keeps going in this direction, looks like there could be some some big trouble ahead. What's going to come next? Do we need to be prepared for what's coming next? I mean, how do we even prepare against an unforeseen future? Should we should we stock up on peanut butter? Now, I don't want my phrase right there to start a peanut butter shortage because that's kind of how it starts. Somebody on the Internet says, hey, there's going to be a peanut butter shortage. And suddenly there's a peanut butter shortage, not because there's a peanut butter shortage, but because everyone thought there would be. So you've got to get your GIF ready because that's store brand stuff. My wa- I'm used to store brand stuff. My wife said, no, it's got to be GIF. She's not very picky. She'll eat store brand about everything. We've got to get GIF peanut butter. So <laughs> is that what we should do? Should we stock up on peanut butter? Should we, like, dig a hole? 
and fill it with supplies and live in the hole? What should we do? Should we become self-sufficient and plant a garden and put up things? We've been doing that a long time at the Shockley household. That's right, Dad. My dad's here in this worship service today. And he's like, man, we were preppers before prepping was cool, right? We always grew our own stuff and canned and froze. We just didn't call it prepping. We called it having something to eat in the wintertime, you know. What should we do? Should we be prepared? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we should be prepared always. But the truth is, there is going to be eventually a conclusion of the story of this universe. There is an, there's an end game coming. End game. I like that term. Some people know the term end game mostly because it was the name of the most recent Avengers movie. I, I like the Marvel movies. I don't watch, watch a lot of movies, but I like the superhero movies. But end game is a term that comes from the world of chess. Chess. I know chess is not as exciting as superhero movies, but I love chess. I love to play chess. I'm not very good at chess. I think I see my chess buddy over there. Yeah, yeah, Keith's my chess buddy. We play sometimes. It's been a while, man. we got to start that back up again. In the game of chess, there are three distinct phases to a match. There is the opening, the middle game, and the end game. The end game is the part where the outcome is determined. But if you're going to win... In the end game, you got to set it up in the opening and the middle game. You've got to be looking at the end from the beginning. So if this story of the universe is going to have an end game, we need to be thinking about that now if we want the end to turn out good for us. We have to have our eye on it. In the story of our world... We aren't in the end game yet, but it's coming. And I've had people question after the last couple years we've had, say, man, it's so, life is so weird and there's crazy things going and earthquakes and famines and floods and, and wars and rumors of wars. Does this mean the end is coming soon? Well, I want to spend some time answering these questions about the, the end game. So, over the next several weeks, Lord willing, we're going to set up some pretty big targets and see if we can knock them down. Stuff like, well, what are the signs that the end is coming near? Or, you know, what about the Antichrist and the tribulation and the, the millennial kingdom? And what, what happens after all of it's over and we're in eternity? What happens then? I want to set those up and knock them down, okay? And I think you'll learn a lot if you stick with me through this. You know, these are controversial issues. So I may not say everything that you already believe or know, and that's okay. We'll just kind of try to learn from each other. If you stick around, I guarantee you'll learn something. But here's the thing. We can learn all the information and still miss the point. The question that I want to answer today is, you know, not when's this going to happen, how's this going to happen, all of that. The question is, if we know there's going to be an end game, if we know this world is someday going to come to a close, how should we live in response to that? You see, we, we don't know when it's going to happen, but we know the end is coming. We're living on borrowed time every day. If we're living on borrowed time, how should we live? We're going to lay that foundation today. Um, we are going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, where the apostle Peter poses that same question or statement, knowing that the story is going to come to an end someday, how should we live? 
The Apostle Peter was one of the closest followers of Jesus while he was on earth, and he was the most influential leader in the early days of the Jesus movement. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see Peter all throughout the first part of the Acts, and he's doing all sorts of things, miracles and and preaching and teaching. Peter was writing in 2 Peter, he's writing a letter to believers who are very discouraged because they're suffering. Now, they were really being persecuted for their faith, but in general, we might say, the world around them was wearing them out. They were looking around the world, and it all looked bad just then, and it was really wearing on them. Can y'all feel that? <laughs> we look around the world, and it's like, man, this world will wear you out, discourage you, get you downtrodden. And Peter is going to come in and talk to them, give them some encouragement to know that things are going to get straightened out because they had been given the promise that someday the Lord would come and straighten out this mess. Now, let me get a witness. Anybody would like to see the Lord straighten out this mess here on earth? Yes, Lord, come straighten it out. And he's going to. But at the time, they were looking at the world and saying, it's so bad, it's so tough, it's so difficult. How much longer will it be until the Lord comes? And the Peter is going to talk to him and say, hey, God's not, he, he, he's not just wasting time. There's a purpose in this. And in the meantime, if we know the time is coming when the Lord's going to return and, and he is going to bring this story, this chapter to a close, how should we live in response to that? So uh, let's read here. This is Second Peter 3.11. Peter explains that the day's coming. The Lord's going to set things right. And, and the world as we know it is going to be taken apart and remade. And that should influence the way we live. So let's read it in Peter's words. This is Second Peter 3.11. I'm reading out of the New King James translation, um, if that helps you out. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved... What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? I want to pause and pray for us. Heavenly Father, if we believe this world is someday going to come to a conclusion, I pray that you'll make us people who live for you and not for this world. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of the message today is Living on Borrowed Time. We know that the story of this universe is eventually going to come to a conclusion, but we don't know when. So every day we live, we're living on borrowed time. And if you're living on borrowed time, how should you be living? That's our question. Well, we're going to take a look at this verse in uh, an expository approach. That's a word that doesn't always get used a lot, expository. But expository preaching is, is when you take a passage of the Bible and you look at it piece a piece at a time and and figure out what it means and you put it all together and you see how it fits and you see how it fits in the context of the whole Bible that's what we're going to try to do here find how all this works together to tell the story God wants told so if you look at that verse in most translations the first verse the word first word of the verse is therefore therefore if you're reading the Bible, especially the New Testament, you're going to see the word therefore pop up pretty regularly. When you see the word therefore, pay attention because it's usually some kind of call to action. 
based on evidence. Uh, logically, the word therefore in the New Testament constitutes an if-then statement, saying if this condition exists, then you should behave like this. So, for example, if the roads are icy, then you should slow down or not drive. Or if it's 85 degrees on Sunday morning and you're preaching outside, then you should have worn sunscreen, which I didn't. But I got this handy dandy recreate hat, and if you don't have one, I'll get you one. Just let me know. Just behave yourself while you're wearing it. That's all I ask. Don't go knocking over the convenience store while you're wearing your recreate hat. All right? Deal? Deal. All right. Okay, cool. Thanks. That's all I ask. Just be, be good. Behave yourself. All right? That will be your, your accountability. Because somebody will say, did you hear? The person who robbed the liquor store was wearing a recreate hat. I said, I'll find them. I'll find out who they are. All right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. I haven't done this in about two weeks. I don't know. I'm behaving, not behaving my own self like I should be. So when you see the word therefore in the Bible, investigate what it's there for. It's there for a reason. It's there to point you to some kind of behavior that you should be having in response to a condition. And in this particular case, Peter is explaining the world as we know it is going to enter an end game Therefore, this is how you should live. If there's a conclusion to the story, then we should be living a certain way. He says we should live in holy conduct and godliness. We should not be living for this world. We should be living for the better world to come. So the second section of this verse, it it says, starts with the word therefore, and it follows it up by saying therefore, all these things, or, or later on, it says all these things will be dissolved. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved. What is the all these things? It's talking about all these things. The material universe will someday be dissolved. What does that mean, dissolved? Well, it means pretty much what it sounds like. It, it means that it's going to be broken down into pieces. It's going to be you know, completely taken apart. Imagine a tornado so powerful that it knocks down a house and has destroyed this house so completely that that no two boards are still nailed together. Okay, that is not a comforting thought. So we better get the rest of the context, right? So uh, I want to read the verses around it. It's important when you go in the scriptures and you, you find some, some verse that, that seems to be saying something, you want to check the context around it. So that's what we're going to do. So um, remember, Peter is writing to believers who were really being beaten up by this world. They wanted to know when Jesus was going to come to straighten out this mess. And uh, they wanted to know, well, when, when's this part of the story going to end? And the good part of the story going to begin. So I want to read to you from 2 Peter 3, verses 9 through 13, and I'm going to read it out of a, a very plain spoken translation. If you have some translation you prefer, you check that out or follow that along there. But it reads like this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. That is his promise to bring in the end of this age and the beginning of the next one. 
know he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire, and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to this new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Man, I read that, and I just kind of step back and, whew, whoa, that's something. I, this passage makes me think of the slogan of the state of West Virginia, wild and wonderful, right? Where's my West Virginia people at? I know you're here. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have several who are around here, West Virginia people, and they say, almost heaven, West Virginia. Down here in Virginia, I don't know what's wrong with y'all, but up in West Virginia, it's almost heaven up there. <laughs> anyway, it's, it is. It's wild and wonderful, man. What? There's a lot going on here, okay? The, you know, things melting and fire, man, that's, I don't know what to think of that. Well, let's put it like this, okay. You remember back in the days of Noah, we know that story, right, Noah, where God cleansed the world with a flood of water? Well, the next time he cleanses the world, it won't be with water. It'll be with fire. Okay, that's pretty dramatic, yes. But before we get too uppity, you're telling me that you've never looked around in some situation you're in, maybe your work or your school or something you're in, and say, man, it'd be a lot better if we just burned this thing down and started over, okay? Now, I don't want you to say amen too loud because the people you work for might be somewhere uh, listening to this, and I don't want to get you in trouble, but you just tell me you haven't had those moments where you've looked around you and said, Lord, man, we all just burned this thing down, start right over. Yeah, yeah, we get that, okay? And maybe less dramatically and more close to home than that, I bet you've had some important relationships in your life that you kind of wish, Lord, I wish we could start over. I wish I could start over with that person because maybe it started well and some things happened and then it went bad and you might just think, Lord, if I could, I, I wish we could get a do-over. You know, I have somebody who was once a friend of mine. I felt like we could have been pretty good friends and a few things happened and then now we don't talk anymore and that's rough or, or it might be someone who, who you were, you know, in a relationship with and things went bad. And anyway, we can relate to the desire to have a do-over, can't we? Well, that's sort of what the Lord is going to do here just on a universal scale. We read something like this and it feels overwhelming, and it is, but I do want you to know that God's plan to bring this age to an end and bring in a new age, God's, God's plan to um, have this clean slate, this do-over, is not just because he's sick of the mess people have made and he's ready to burn it down. Now, hey, let me ask you this. Is your sense of justice ever bothered by the ways of this world? Uh, yeah. Don't you think God's sense of justice is a lot better than yours. So you know he looks down on earth and he sees the way people treat each other and the way folks act and the 
things people do, and it bothers him worse than it would ever bother us because he is a perfectly holy God. And if we who are mere sinful human beings with our limited capacity to understand, if our sense of justice is offended by what's going on on planet Earth, imagine how God feels about it. So yeah, if God looks down and says, man, this is bad news. We got to do something about this. He is perfectly justified in doing so. And that is part of the what is going on. But I want you to understand that the time to come, the end game to come, is not just about God's wrath at the sin of man. That's part of it. But maybe something even bigger is His desire to give all of creation the fresh start it so desperately needs. The day's coming when the Lord is going to remake the world as we know it. Remake reality. And that sounds so big, so intimidating that it can be difficult to wrap our minds around. So let's put it in the context of something maybe we can, we can kind of touch and feel with our hands. Okay. I grew up playing with Lego blocks. Anybody else like Legos? Oh, man. I still play. Yeah, 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 yeah. I still play with some Legos, you know, now and then with the kids. Although, uh, you know, they're kind of, they're big enough to do most of that themselves. Man, I love Legos. Legos have been around a long time, Okay. Imagine, um, those of you who might not have played with Legos, might have had kids that play with Legos, and they left those Lego landmines in the floor, okay, and you step on them, and you say things that you got to repent of after that, after that okay, yeah? I'm, I'm looking, some parents are not owning up to the truth right now. All right, that's between you and the Lord, but you're going to have to own up to that someday, of the things that you've said when you stepped on a Lego block. They, they're sharp, man. Some of those are really sharp. They're, I don't know why they make them like that. Anyway, Elijah's Legos are mostly confined to his room, so I just have to watch for the Lego landmines in his room. Every once in a while, the little cousins come over, and the Legos come out into the living room, and that's a bigger problem. So I want to talk to you about the Legos and the little cousins. Imagine that that you are in just the prime of your youth right now. Just If that's been a while for you like it has been for me, let's just look back and pretend for a moment that we are young and the cares of life are not upon us and we have built something incredible, amazing with our Legos. Something amazing, we've built it and it's beautiful and it's not according to any plan, it's according to our own plan. We have created it ourselves, we have this Lego creation and it is exactly what we want it to be and we have it on display in our rooms and so proud of it and so happy with it, it's just right. However, your little cousins come over And for some reason, your mama has let them go in your room. You remember that? That's a problem. Little cousins are coming in your room. And what are the little cousins going to do to your Lego creation? They're going to break it because that's what little cousins do. I was the big cousin. I don't have little I was the big cousin, and it was my stuff they were messing up. So they had these, uh, let's just imagine for a moment that your little cousin is coming to your room and they have broken off parts of your Lego creation, this thing you created just so perfect. And, and then they've added things onto it that don't make sense. Like, why would you put a set of wheels up on the side of the house? I don't know. That's what little kids do, okay? So you come in and you discover what they've done. And, you know, it's, it's bad news. What are you going to do? You're going to do something about it. This thing that you have created has been messed up. It's no longer recognizable as what it was. It no longer functions what it was designed to function. So what are you going to do? Some people would say, well, you find the child, you firmly grasp them by the shoulders, and you throw them as far as you can. Don't do that. I do not condone that. Forget I said that. Sorry, Lord. Didn't mean to say that. Okay. No, no, no. You're going to build it back. 
but you decide to take the thing that was broken and not just put it back like it was, but to build it back better and stronger and even more functional. To build it back in such a way that the children who messed up the creation in the first place can't break it this time. There's no way they can break it. On some scale, I know it's not a perfect illustration, but on some level, that's what God's going to do. This world that has been broken and twisted by the ways of sinful humanity is going to be remade into something so much better, so much greater, that can never be broken again. And what's more, he's going to transform who we are that we will not want to break it anymore. He's going to change this world. We can tell that humans have damaged the world. Now, some things are easy to look at and, and recognize. You know, if there's some giant oil spill in the ocean, obviously humans messed up and, and have messed up part of God's creation. You know, first job God ever gave human beings, he said, take care of the garden. Gardeners, take care of the world, you know, subdue it, don't abuse it, you know, bring something productive out of it. Okay, don't, don't wreck it, you know. Of course, humans have been wrecking it for a long time. We know that. But maybe some of the greatest damage is not something so obvious as an oil spill. God created a world in perfect harmony, didn't he? Where there was no division, there was no strife, there was no hatred, there was no anger, there was no bitterness, there was no unforgiveness. And yet, human beings given this perfect world have filled it with anger and unforgiveness, and hatred, and strife, and division. If you put a bunch of human beings in the same room, you can just about guarantee you leave them there long enough, there's going to be a fight. Maybe a lot of them. Over the last year and a half that the world has been so strange, the most discouraging thing to me has not been the, the shortages or the restrictions. It's how the divisions between humans have become so obvious. The world is a very divided place. It always has been divided since people sinned and strayed from God, but man, it has become very clear over the last year or so how the world has been divided. So good news, good news, y'all. Good news. You ready for the good news? Here's the good news. You've been waiting for the good news. Good news is God is not only going to remake the material world, he's going to remake what it means to be human. That part of human nature that wants to fight and argue and make divisions, and God's going to remake that too. So by the time the end game is over and all this is wrapped up, we won't see a world that's full of divisions and hatred and unforgiveness and, and bitterness and deep hurt between people. We'll see a world where we are really a family, a community, a kingdom. That is going to come. The world that has been broken and twisted by human sin is going to be remade, and even the humans who mess it up going to be remade too. Man, that is good news. Now we're getting down to the heart of this message, to the heart of this story. We know there's an end game. We know there's a conclusion coming to this story. You don't even have to 
believe in God or any of this to get the notion that the world is headed to something big and it's not a big pizza party where we all have a good time. You know, lots of people who don't believe the way I believe are worried that something bad is going to happen down the road. You know, you don't have to be a theological genius to figure that out. You just got to look around. But the question for you and for I, for anybody who believes what the Word of God says, is if we know the clock is ticking down on this reality, if we know we're living on borrowed time, if we know there's going to be an end game, how should that change the way we live? It's a good question. Because all this end time stuff and book of Revelation, that's all very interesting, but if it doesn't change the way you live, there's a problem. Peter said, if this world is going to be dissolved, if this world is on its way out, we shouldn't live for this world. We should live for God. Now, we look around us, and we say something to the effect of, well, what's this world coming to? Man, things are getting bad. There's all this strife and anger and hatred, and you know, all kinds of bad stuff happening on the news. We can get the idea that it's, it's not going to be we're not headed toward a man-made utopia where everybody shares a bunch of juice boxes and sings kumbaya. It's just not going to happen that way. Sounds good, just not going to happen. The world is headed for a conclusion. So it doesn't make sense for our lives to totally revolve around the cultures and values of the world. We need to build our lives on something that will last, something that is real, something that transcends the beginning And the end, and the only thing that was here before the beginning and will be here after the end is Jesus Christ. When everything else is gone, when everything we know has been dissolved, Jesus will still be here. Always. He is Alpha. He is Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's what's before the beginning. He's what's after the end. If you live for Him, you won't live wrong. I promise you that. Why would we live for a world that will not last? <laughs> Why would we hold on to something that's going out of date? I remember um, like 15 years ago or so when I first got on social media. Sometimes I regret that. <laughs> sometimes not. I'm like, there was like two big social media platforms. It was MySpace and Facebook. Is there anybody that remembers MySpace? That's going way back. Some of y'all ain't going to fess up to that. I know some of you do. Don't even be playing. MySpace and Facebook. And I'm like, I don't know the difference, so I just signed up for MySpace. Turns out MySpace was on its way out about that time, and everybody was getting off of MySpace. So I went on this new cool thing, new quote cool thing called Facebook. That way I could influence people, you know, try to, you know, try to witness to them and stuff. But then for the younger generation, Facebook is not the thing anymore, okay? Like, my kids' generation, and, and they're all on Instagram. And some of y'all are saying, I don't know what these face chats and Insta books are, but it sounds like it's bad. Well, it is some that. It is sometimes. But sometimes it's good because we share our messages on, on those sorts of things. It can be good. But someday something's going to come along and replace Instagram. MySpace has been forgotten like a long time ago. It wouldn't be any good for me to hold on to MySpace. When that's like two social media platforms ago, it makes sense. That's silly. You know, 
I was going to tell you that my first car had an eight track player in it, but that would that made me sound like super old. According to my children, you know, my my first car was older than me. I will throw that out there if that helps any. Okay, had an eight track player in it. And I put a CD player in it because I wasn't going to hold on to the eight track player. Um, it was a classic car, seventy two Plymouth Duster. It was so fast it would pass anything but a gas station, baby. It's 13 miles a gallon interstate. Still wish I had that car. Couldn't afford to drive it, but I wish I had it. But I got rid of it because I was dumb. A lot of us would probably like to get our first car back (laughs) if it was like that. But anyway, um, the things that we hold, why hold on to something that is on its way out? It's way more silly for us to hold on to this world when this world is on its way out. This world is going to be obsolete. The only sensible thing is to live for God. Let go of earthly pride and and earthly measures of success and earthly gain. This world would have us obsessed with self and stuff. Self and stuff, that's pretty much you can sum up what the world would have you to pursue. Self and stuff. Self and stuff will not fulfill you. Self and stuff is going to go away someday. But God is forever. Don't get caught up in self and stuff. Living for this world is like elbowing your way to the front of the line so you can get in the front row of the concert only to show up and find out the concert's been canceled. That's what life, living for the world, is like. The Apostle Peter reminds us that since the world as we know it will be dissolved, we're living on borrowed time, how should we live? He says we should live for holiness and godliness. So today in this message, we've only begun to talk about the end game. In the coming weeks, Lord willing, we're going to talk about those bigger, more flashy subjects that people want to know about, like the wars and the rumors of wars and the Antichrist and the tribulation and all about. People want to know about that. I get that. But today, we need to lay the foundation because we can know all the facts about what's coming. And if it does not change the way we live today, we've got a problem. If you ever read the book of Revelation, you'll notice it starts out with the Lord Jesus dictating a bunch of letters to send to church people, talking to them about how they were living right then. Then he goes and talks about what's coming. So we need to understand that it's not enough to know the Revelation timeline and the plot arc of the end times. We need to know that if there's a conclusion to this story, we better live with that in mind. Right now, the way we live, what we value, how we treat people, how we follow the Lord, how we put him first, because I've had to face some facts this week looking at my own life. I'm like, Lord, I'm sometimes I forget where this thing is going and I get so caught up in the ways of this world. Let's face facts in the light of eternity. So much of what we obsess over will not matter. I hope you drive a car that gets you from here to there and back. But in eternity, your car won't matter. I hope you got clothes to wear, but in eternity, clothes won't matter. Uh, I I hope you've got the respect of people, but in the end, that won't matter. The pounds you've gained or lost might make you more comfortable here on earth, but it won't matter in eternity. So much of what this world calls success or accomplishment will not matter when it's all said and done. What will matter most is things that you can't 
put on a shelf or take a picture of. What matters most is what's going on spiritually between you and God and how that plays out in your life. How we have lived for God. How we've helped other people move closer to finding hope and peace and life and forgiveness and renewal in Jesus. That will matter. Most of the rest of this won't. So I'm thinking right now we just need to pray. I need to pray. Will you pray with me? Oh, Father in heaven, forgive us for getting so caught up in this world and getting so tripped up by the things the world values. Father, forgive us when our priorities are out of whack as they so often are. Father, God, give us an ache to have more of Jesus. Lord, give us an ache to see more people find life in Jesus. We know from your word that someday this story is coming to an end. This world is going to be dissolved and remade. So, Lord, please give us the grace and the focus to live for the greater world that you are going to bring into being. And, Father, right now I want to pray for anybody who's listening who's never found hope and peace and life and forgiveness and renewal in Jesus, that they call upon the name of Jesus now and confess their sins and be saved. And, Lord, for the people who have, I pray that we would live in such a way that people can see Jesus in us and the way that we love and the way that we live might be a testimony and give us opportunities to share the truth. God, we give you the glory and pray that you'll lead us through these coming weeks as we seek to explore what happens next. And Lord, I just pray that you'll work everything out to where our services can be held indoors and outdoors. And may we reach more and more people for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this thing is going to be going on for several more weeks. All right, let people know. People are interested in end time stuff. Tell them to show up 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. at 105 East Stewart Drive, Hillsborough, Virginia, right beside of Pizza Hut. Everybody knows where Pizza Hut is? Just tell them beside Pizza Hut. You cannot miss that. Recreate Church is a community of life and love, and our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We just want to see people move towards Jesus. That's what we want. No matter your story, you're welcome, you're wanted, and you're loved. You want to know more about who we are and what we stand for? Or people ask, send them to our website, recreatechurch.org. Love you guys. It's so nice to see you. So nice to be back with you. And I'm going to send you out with some music now. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.